Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Irvin Mendoza, and welcome to another episode of A Dollar and a Dream. We hope you enjoy your stay. Today's episode is a guest episode, our very first guest episode under the Dollar and a Dream umbrella. Sitting with us this evening, we have Carol and Emmanuel from Olga's Cocina, a family-owned business providing authentic Mexican food from their eye-catching red-colored food truck. Welcome to the show, Carol and Emmanuel. Thank you for having us here today. Yeah, thank you. Of course, of course. Thank you for being here. So I gave a brief introduction of who you both are as well as for Olga's Cocina, but can you tell me in your own words, what is Olga's Cocina? Yes, Olga's Cocina is a family-owned business. We, um, My mother herself is the chef who has been cooking in the, you know, cooking industry for 20 plus years, and we basically wanted to honor her in our household and just, in a way, give her the opportunity to leave a legacy as well as financial stability. And so that's how Olga's Cocina was born. And slowly we've seen it blossom into a bonding experience within our household. Just all of us putting our hands in and even people saying to us, like, we haven't seen your younger brother involved and yet, like, he's here or promoting it on on IG or even my brother-in-law and, like, my sister herself just coming in. Olga's Cocina is an extension of our family. I think you said two key words that you said family and legacy. That makes me think of your first Instagram post. There's an Instagram caption that you put that I wrote down right here. Quote, as a family, we have always loved sharing our table with our loved ones and the comfort food we grew up loving. So my question is, what role did food play in in you both growing up? Food, yes. I think for me, like growing up, um, my mom always had dinner for us, like I think she got out of work at 3.30. So by 5 o'clock, we had food um, in our table. And we all had to, like, eat. Not necessarily, like, all in the same table. But we all had to, like, eat the food that she was providing. And so growing up, there was not a day where we had, like, fast food as as an option. It was literally, like, Monday through Sunday she was cooking. And it was plates, like, like mole, pozole, caldo de res. Like, it was big food. Mexican food that that take a lot of time but for her it was so effortlessly like she just did it so easily like she would get home from work and just start cooking and then the food was ready in the next hour and where we grew up our neighbors were our cousins and our neighbors were like our our um comadre like my mom's comadre so like our neighborhood was really family orientated so then they would eventually come to get leftovers or they would come and take what like a plate to their house i feel like food was always our way to bond eating together at the same time bonds us in that moment so yes i feel like like growing up as a grown-up and looking at my mom and thinking of you mentioned something important about coming home from work Mm -hmm. and then mom starting to cook I come home from work, and the last thing I want to do is prepare a two, three-hour, you know, preparation <laughs> meal. And my mom would do that almost every day. So I think that's a that that's something to applaud, and something that now I realize is is very is very uh it, it shows what type of person that that mom is. I I I could totally like vouch for that and mimic that too, because as a wife, um, 
I was like, I'm going to do the cooking and I'm going to be excited to do it. And then I would hate washing like the dishes or cleaning afterwards. And then I'd be like, I don't want to wait until like the food is served. Like I want to eat it as I'm cooking it. But then by the time my husband eats it, then I'm not hungry no more. So I, I do feel I do feel like that in itself is such a gift to be able to serve people. And I do think that a lot of um, Hispanic moms um, and naturally are embedded with that gift or that desire to serve in that way. And I do think that the ones that go every single day go beyond that call. And so I do think that um, that's something that I've grown to appreciate now as, as a wife, but even, again, seeing her as a leader in the kitchen. I agree. Your logo is, it seems to be like a home, right? The home yes. from, you grew up in Anaheim. Yes. It says Guinida Lane. Guinida Lane, yeah. Guinida? Yeah, Guinida. Guinida Lane, yes. Anaheim. Uh, what was it like growing up in that neighborhood? I know you mentioned a little bit about how your your neighbors were family. Yes. Why why was it so special in your own words that you decided for that to be the logo? Yeah, I um, God is good. I I gotta say that you know I feel like growing up in Guinida or G Lane, how we like to call it. G Lane. Yes. Shout out G Lane. Yay! Shout out to <laughs> you. You all know. Um. And they have been so supportive in the process, too. So we love we love the fact that, again, God is so good in, in, in the things that he does for us. And so um, growing up there at that moment, I never knew how, quote unquote, bad of a reputation it had. And when we would go to family parties, it was it was always like, oh, like, like, feel bad for you. Like, oh, you live in G Lane. Like, I feel bad for you. And at that moment, I think, like, I didn't know, obviously, at that moment, like, a purpose. So I was a young girl just hearing this from house from family members being like, oh, so sorry that you live in Winita Lane or, like, how is it? But it was always in such a, like, negative connotation. And so as I, um, as I learned to, like, go to school there and just bond with the people in that, in that street, hockey was our, our connector. And I think that... I always thank God that he've allowed like sports in my life to give me that trajectory. And, and I, and of course not everyone had the same trajectory as, as we did. And it, and it has nothing to do with the street itself. Obviously there's so many factors to it, but going back to, we need a lane at that moment. I didn't know how special it was. And then, like I mentioned in my post, when we had to leave because of the foreclosure of the apartment itself, um, and we went to another community that was not that far from Winita. We realized like we never got to do those things again. Like we never got to like go to our neighbor's house and eat at their house, or we never got to go down the street and visit our aunt or uncle, or we never got to have a troca selling the food outside our house. Like I had a troca too. Yes, where I lived. So yeah. we 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 never saw that again. And so I thought, okay, like. Like maybe every like experience is different. And so then after we moved, after I got married and I moved again with my husband and he shared his experience from his household and his like neighborhood, I realized like, wait a minute, all my good friends or all the people who like really were there for me come from We Need a Lane, like come from this neighborhood. And then as we go on to do our own separate lives, that's really what keeps connecting us where maybe junior high doesn't connect us or maybe like my other, like other places don't keep us grounded. So I think childhood memories or childhood um, experiences really do bond you. 
Emmanuel, where did you grow up, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, I grew up in Garden Grove. You know, I don't know if, if you both relate to this, but whenever I, uh, I grew up in a street called Park Lane, uh-huh. and uh, every time I see someone that lived in Park Lane, for example, I go to Subway or, the, or a fast food restaurant, and the cashier, his name is Oscar. Mm-hmm. I hadn't seen Oscar in like 10 years, yeah. but I knew him as a kid and from Park Lane. Yeah. When I saw him, it was like, some nostalgia flashbacks. Like I just got transported back in time to my old neighborhood, and I told him, "Oscar, it's me, Irvin." And Oscar said, "Like, oh yeah, I remember you. How are you?" And I relate to hundred percent with what you said about when you meet people from your old neighborhood. Ten years later, five years later, you feel that connection, that bond of like, "Hey, we grew up in the same neighborhood. We would hear our mom scream at us. We would we would see the police come. There's a bond, you know." For sure, I I totally think that. It's the innocence of not yeah, knowing. The innocence. You know, okay. I feel like as a. As <laughs> no, I never thought no. about it like that. Yeah, That's because. Good. Like my neighborhood is way different. Yeah. yeah like, we're one of the one Hispanics living in that household, mm. in that neighborhood, you know. Because mm. uh, where I live, it's a uh, little Saigon, you know, so it's more. Um, Asian population. Yeah, Asian populated, you know, mm. so it wasn't that close knit with my neighbors mm. and stuff like that, you know. So my childhood from her childhood is just completely different. Yeah, for sure. And I think like to to go along with him is but his family unit is more united because they were like the outsiders uh-huh. in that neighborhood. So like he has a bond with like his sisters and his brothers where for me um it was more like my friends were my bond at that moment. Like mm-hmm. my neighborhood was my bond at that moment. Mm-hmm. And luckily like we had similar friends or my sister had friends of the younger like the younger siblings were my friends. So that's what kind of bonded us. Like just bonding within the neighborhood and like knowing that like you're all in the same struggle and just wanting the best for each other. I think now as a teacher, I live really close to a like hood neighborhood that it, the schools basically consider those like the at risk youth. And so full circle for me is now I'm serving those the, that community. And even in my classes, when I tell them, like, I'm selling Mexican food at, at nearby their house, they're shocked. They're like, wait, you go to the hood? And it's like, yeah, like, I live around there. And then they're like, really? Like, what? Like, what street? Like, they get really invested, but you bond with them, too. You connect with them in a, in a, in a ground level. And even I'll tell them, like, show up and I'll give you food. And they're still shocked. Like, wait. you'll give us food and then when we saw our first one of my first students show up because like again i live really close to the neighborhood and we were posted up right there on on fullerton he was so shocked to see me like after school Mm -hmm. and i was like hook him up whatever he wants like it's on us and the parents were like wait a minute like how do you know him and like it was like such a connection where the parents were like oh a lot of times teachers don't want to see their kids after school and i'm just like no no like i want to be involved i want to know that I wanted them to know that I'm human too. And like I did, I went through the struggle to get there. So that's beautiful. Going back to Olga's Cocina, what was it that made you both finally say, hey, let's do this? Like what was uh, the thing that made you say, like, let's take the leap? (laughs) I feel like, yes. I feel like um, the pandemic obviously really like stopped the world. And, and made us realize what does matter and what is important. And I think that at that moment, a lot of people lost their jobs or were, were given less, less ability to make money. You, you knew 
like those that had a good job or those that didn't, Mm. you know? And so I feel like in that moment, we realized that my mom really, we really wanted to value what she did and really, really provide that financial stability of like, mom, you can do this. Like, not only are you good with your money, but like, you can see it, you know, tenfold and a hundredfold. Like, we can see it multiply. And so I think that the pandemic really opened our eyes. Even for myself, I took my job, like, like if it was my purpose. And so when they were like, we don't need you right now. There's nothing for you to do here. It felt very like, wait, what do you mean? Because at that moment, I was doing behavioral therapist. And I couldn't provide therapy to kids because we were in a pandemic. And it was very like, We'll pay you, but we don't really need your service right now. We don't know what to do with, like, your job title. And I really felt like, wow, I really gave all my efforts and time to this job. And right away they were like, you know, we're good. So I think when we saw that, like, domino effect in our household of, like, who whose job was being valued and whose wasn't, I realized, like, we need to, like, capitalize. And then at that moment, you saw so many people really take that leap. You saw so many people start their business. You saw so many people, like, hustle and realize, like, how creative they were. So many ways that people were hustling. And and I think my husband, I I really want to give credit to him. He was like, just go for it. Like, let's do it. Like, come on. Like, and he's the one that was really like, what's stopping this, Carol? Like, I can't wait. Like, let's do this. And he really took that like driver's seat. And in our household, we were very like hesitant, like, ah, like we don't want to give our our money if it doesn't work. Like we were really like, I wanted to work before even trying it. And Emmanuel was definitely like, not Carol, like I'm excited. Let's get it done. Like, let's push through. And I think that's really the pandemic the aftermath of the pandemic really allowed us to be like, okay, let's do it. Let's do it because we have nothing to lose or let's do it because everyone is hustling at this moment. And why not us too? I saw your first Instagram post, Eric from Boulevard Barbershop. Oh, you guys go back the Barrios family. Yeah. You guys know them really well. Yeah. Okay, yeah, okay. yeah. Shout out Eric Barrios and then the Barrios yeah. family. I saw that it took two years of planning. And then during those two years, were there any obstacles or struggles that, you know, came along the way to, while like trying to get this off the ground? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, that you can share, if you, you know? want like, to talk to. No, if you. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a big talker. Yeah, I'm a, you know, he's I'm not, not a big, big talker <laughs> like you, you know? Yeah, we're definitely. But, I mean, with anything, there's always struggles, right? There's always those uh, obstacles that you have. It's the same thing, you know, in life. Or no one, no one teaches you things, you know. So you're kind of learning on your own, you know. Also, like being uh, that first gen to go to college, no one's teaching you how to apply, or no one's teaching you how to do this stuff. It's the same thing as starting a business. No one's teaching you. You got to do mm. it yourself. Yeah, we don't have a roadmap. You know? We have no roadmap. We're making, you know, like our steps as we go. What made you push through? What made you both say, you know what, keep the train going? Well, I worked at security for the last couple of years, and I've you know, worked in some communities that hire our company to be security. And uh, and it's very nice communities and always seeing these nice houses and these nice cars that these people have and, you know, the security that they have. And, you know, I sometimes go would go out of my way and ask them, like, what do you do for a living? Or how did you get here where you're at right now? And, you know, I met some guy and... Uh, he uh, had a, a Hispanic restaurant chain, 
Mm. And uh, he's, you know, was out there talking to him, and he said he's trying to open a restaurant for each of his kids. And he was, said he has around, you know, four or five restaurants, you know, and he was about to open one more. Mm. And I asked him, like, well, I'm trying to start one too. What advice do you have for us? And he was like, just go for it. Just do it. You know, mm. don't don't let no one tell you otherwise. Like, us as Hispanics, you know, we're always, you know, think we can't do it. You know, we always put, like, our own roadblocks. We always limit ourselves. And he said, just do it, you know. Yeah. And, you know, there's nothing that can stop you. Just keep going forward. Keep doing it. Yeah, beautifully put. Carol, you want to add something? Yeah, I feel like, um, yeah, I remember that story, too. Um, I do think that, like, a lot of people that are on the other side, like, as business owners, they do say, like, just keep going, Carol. Like, just don't stop. Like, people are going to show up. It's going to be slow or, or, like, highs and lows, but you just can't, like, give in to the lows. Like, you just got to keep being consistently better, I think. Like, being reflective but consistently better. And I think, like... Going back to your obstacle questions in the two year mark, I think like at first, again, during the pandemic, we were like right before the pandemic is when we first got that idea of like we should start a business. And then the pandemic hit and we were like, okay, well, this is a good opportunity to save money. So we started to save it. But our first initial goal was to um, have an actual physical restaurant Mm. and getting an agent, trusting an agent and just going through those steps were very um Again, like Emmanuel was saying, like, we don't have the roadmap. So it was like, how do we trust someone with all of this, like, money that we kind of been not easy to have, like, not easy to to save? It was something that took effort and time. And how, how do we just trust it to someone and, and have good intentions for us? And so I think that in that process, we were very hesitant on, like, which route to go. And so as we started to, like, work on the little things that we could control, finally, it was like, okay, the opportunity to buy the food truck was here. But again, it would have taken like 50% of our or more than 50% of our savings to get it. And it was very like, should we go for it or not? And I, I think, thought it would be cheaper. Sorry to. No, like, no. Yes. Cut through with like, I thought it, that would be a cheaper route, but it's actually a more expensive route. Yeah. They all like each route in itself has its own obstacles and challenges because even like the food truck itself, it requires like a place for it to stay. You have to maneuver like, the food in and out it can't just stay in the truck like you have like where a restaurant you have its own like stationary place and it could stay there so it has its own challenges and so we were very like i think we felt safer going with the food truck Mm. because it was something that we can control at the moment Mm. Um, but i do think that our end goal or we know that our end goal is to actually have a physical restaurant Mm -hmm. and just keep going in that route has there been a beautiful or like positive moment throughout this whole experience where it made you guys say, this is why we do it. Like, this is why we took this leap. Oh, man. I feel like many, like many little ones, you know, again, when when they when they say, like, I want to take food to go. Like, a, a lot of times people are hesitant and they're like, let's just try one taco. You know, they order small and then they slowly, like, say, let me take some to go or even, like, they start coming more often. Those are always, like, this is why we do it because, um... We want to provide, again, comfort food for people, but also like an extension of, of, of our family, like an extension to our table. So we always treat them with like respect. We always treat them like we want to acknowledge them. We're always like call them by their name when we can. Like even when you showed up, I was like, Irvin, like I remember yeah, your face. We never even met in yeah. person. And, and I was I, a bit shocked. Yes. And I feel like those are those moments that for me, I'm, I'm all about like 
quality time and just building that report. And so, because again, as a teacher, like I know that that makes the biggest difference when someone knows you care about them. So I do think that those are like those little moments, those nuggets of like just knowing their names and knowing their orders or just being there. Like it's a feel good moment. Even as a customer, when I go to some of my places, like um, shout out to urban location. I love those smoothies. Um, they, they know my order and it makes me feel good because I'm just like, all right, for sure. Like I, I want to give my money to you. Like I want to support this business. But I think in the bigger scope, something like full circle, I think would be the Anaheim marketplace. when we got to do the carnival there, just because for me growing up in that neighborhood, that was something that we look forward to. That's something that we took ownership of. Like that's something that we were like, that's our neighborhood. Like whenever we had, again, family members visit or even like people in our neighborhood that that were just moving into it. Every time the the feria came, we were always like, let me hook you up. Like I like let's tell your mom or let's figure out a plan for all of us to get there at the same time and just have a good time. And so I think for me, that moment being a vendor there and being able to see it in like the lens of a business person and just being able to serve that community really was like that aha moment of like, this is why we do it. Like we really want to connect with people, but we really want to give again, that hope of like, it's going to take work, but you can also do it. Like I'm still there. Like I'm still with you and we're still going to get up there together. And so what I noticed that day was a lot of youngsters like showed up like so many of them and they were just so excited to be there. They were with their crew just walking around and it was definitely nostalgic for me because I remember again as a young girl with my own friends just trying to be at the feria and like just trying to like bond and be like just you know a youngster and with the boyfriend or girlfriend and so I feel like um, when I saw them um, they came to like our puesto and they were trying to just get sodas like again in in their limitations, they were just getting the dollar sodas. And we were like, who cares? Like, keep coming. Like, we're happy that you're here. Like, we we want you to, like, go and have fun and be safe. So we kept welcoming them every single time. And they would bring their friends because they would realize, like, we had, like, I don't know, maybe the cheapest type of drink. And that's why they kept gravitating towards our, our, our side. And then we got to see some of our friends' siblings, like, their younger siblings with their own little crew of friends. And so I think that that was such a full circle moment of like, that's why we do it. Like we want to service them. And then like a specific story in that night was one of the young kids really wanted like cash. And he had like his card, like his mom's card, like he had a card, a debit card. And he was very like, I only have $15. Mm. And I think the ATM only let him get 20 plus fees. Yes. Yes. And so he was like, again, just hovering over like our puesto with his friends. And he just kept being like, you can see some worry in him. And then finally he was like, do you guys do cashback? And again, I could have easily been like, no, like we don't do that. But I knew what he really wanted was that cash to go experience like, you know, um, like a like a like a car like a ride or something he wanted that cash but he knew like he was limited to that money so finally i was like yeah like we can do cash back for you and he's like all right thank you so much like i only and that's when he shared the story like i only have 15 but they're asking for 20 but like um thank you like i'm so appreciative like we made his day Mm -hmm. and he didn't buy our food but we were able to service him that way and and i was able to figure out a way to just charge him like the 15 and give him the 15 cash and I think that that's part of our purpose, like really helping the young adolescent know that like you're going to struggle, but you can like 
we're here to help. Like the community should be here to help. We shouldn't, we shouldn't be here to condone, you know, like I shouldn't be here to be like, get out of here. Or like, don't steer. Like, you know, like not judgment. Like, I think I knew at that moment, like what he needed and I was able to provide it, even if it wasn't him eating some of our food. So, and the difference between you and some other like vendor or, or merchant is that you related to that kid or you, like, of course not the experience directly, but that, that uh, sense of like, Oh, I'm lost. I, I need money, but I don't know how to. I wish I could tell you my problem, but I don't know how to. Yes. You know, like you I saw myself in him. Exactly. I When I saw him there and he was just buying the sodas and then eventually like he, he was having that worry face. I was like, what's going on? And then finally he, he was comfortable to tell me. Mm. And I do think that us from different vendors would have looked at it as like, go away. So. Emmanuel, do you have a, a moment or an experience? I know it's just been like a few months of yes. starting this, but anything yeah. that stands out? I think it's just the regulars, uh, the people that just keep coming back. That's very encouraging, you know. Just uh, imagine, you know, your favorite spot and just going there. Like Carolina, she, you know, shouted out Urban Location earlier. She always goes there, like, at least once a week, if not more. Yeah. And, you know, it's just those people that just keep coming back. That's just very encouraging that. And they bring more. And they bring more people. Yeah. They bring more family. Like, you know, they're like, hey, yeah. let's go to this spot and they bring more people, you know, and it's just, you know, you're able to like spread the word, you know, it's a lot of word of mouth, you know, and you just keep spreading. And it's just very encouraging, you know, because then people will come and be like, oh, like my friend, he was here yesterday. He told me about this mm-hmm. and I'm here today, you know, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, I'm going to tell all my friends, you know, like this is really word good. of mouth. Yeah, word yeah. of mouth, you know, and it's just that's just very encouraging when you get people coming up and like, oh, my friend was here yesterday and he really liked the food. And so I'm here. I think. Nice. Yeah, I, I agree. My love that it is such a like feel good moment mm. and also like a validating moment you know because obviously it's not easy like we have full-time jobs and everyone is doing full-time jobs except for my mom and so having to like work an eight-hour shift and then go post up yeah. and then um feeling like dang like <laughs> we're burned out not burned out but we're like our body's telling us to slow down yeah. but our mind is like keep going you know we got to keep going so seeing those regular faces or just seeing those people who are like hey my friend told me about this or even like they came yesterday for the first time and they came back again the second day like the the next day is very encouraging and warm do you both have any like role models or people you look up to because i'm hearing lots of i'm hearing two types of uh traits slash characteristics one is i want to help out my people i want to help out the next generation and the other one is, let's keep going. I'm tired, but my brain is saying, let's go. Yeah. Is there any, like, examples that you, you grew up, like, um, seeing as, like, oh, I want to be like him or her? Or even in present day? Oh, my dad, he was always, you know, I live in Garden Grove. And uh, in the community that we live in, like I said, is predominantly Asian. Um, and I always wondered how come we're in this type of community, you know? And it's because he, he always provided, he was always working. At times, working two to three jobs, you know, so he kept going. And like I said, I have a lot of siblings, you know, it's, uh, you know, we got four sisters and one brother, so we're six in total. Um, so he was always providing, and he always had that, you know, that keep going mentality to providing for the family and, you know, keeping a roof on our head and providing food. And um, he works as a server, hmm. you know, for the hotels. So he, you know, was always serving people, you know. So it was just, you know, feel like it's kind of embedded in me to, like, serve people and just keep going, you know. No matter, you know, how tired you are or no matter what time it is, like, you know, 
I'm here to serve and I'm here to give my time and give it all. Yeah. What about you, Kara? I know. I was like, that's such a good answer, my love. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like for me, I feel like it's just like God-given purpose. Like, I feel like in a way it's like what I wanted for myself when I was younger. So like I wanted someone to be like of service and to tell me that like it was going to be okay and that like just keep going. And I think that I had such a not like rough childhood, but such a like who am I childhood? You know, like what is my purpose childhood? Like I was really like not knowing like what I needed to be or what I wanted to be. Like I was just always like lost I would say in that sense. And so when when I when I gave my life to Christ, I remember being like, dang, this is what I've been wanting, like this purpose of like why I'm here. And then slowly throughout my journey of like finding my faith and knowing who I was, I realized that, yes, like I'm called to serve, but I'm also called to teach. And like and to me, like teaching is like giving you all the knowledge that I had a hard time looking for. You know, a lot of times we think teaching, at least in, in philosophy, we think like telling you all the answers or not telling you all this, telling you how to do the work to get the answers. No, I'm I want to give you the answers. I don't want you to go through all through this lost confusion. I want to tell you, here's the shortcut. Here's what you got to do. And so I think for me, that's where my service I feel now plays a big role. Like whenever I have insight or something that I can give to someone, I don't hesitate. Like, I just want to be able to pour it to them and just help them get there or encourage them, right? Because again, everyone has a different path. And even though we might, they might look similar, it's going to play out different um, for those reasons. So I think for me, like role models, I would say probably like my pastor, I would say he's one that I would always be like, he was just consistent. And I think that's the biggest thing. Like, I just want to be consistent to the point where I look around and I'm like, oh, I leveled up because I was so consistent. Last question. Our signature question of the previous podcast, the question uh, that we would always ask our guests, if you could talk to a younger version of yourself, we would all, I'm giving the behind the scenes look, we would add Lil, like Lil, like Lil John, Lil Baby to, to each guest name. So Lil Carol or Lil Emmanuel, if you, if you could speak to him or her, but essentially speak to a, a person that's trying to find their own uh, path in life, what would you tell him or her? I feel like trust the process. Like I would tell little Carol or Carola at the time, like trust the process. I think that it's, it's, I've been always analytical and always thinking and it's never like what's next. It was always like, how can I be better? And like what, like I was never satisfied with like what I was doing. And I think that, that hunger of not being satisfied is the pathway to like keep going and the pathway to be consistent and the pathway to just keep, you know, reaching higher. So I would, I would tell like little Carola, like trust the process, you know, trust that, that you, you, your parents did do something right. Like they, they did embed those good characters as good morals. And then ultimately like God's sovereignty, like will will pair up whatever I was lacking. So for sure. What about you, Emmanuel? Less shorty. Less shorty. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> for sure. Uh, for me, um, what I said earlier, when I had spoken to that one person and asked them for advice, um, to just keep going, you know? That really, you know, kind of took off that little roadblock for me, you know? And I feel like that's just something I would tell my younger self. 
you know, to go for it and just keep going. You know, don't be afraid. Um, you know, I think that's, you know, what she was saying. Trust the process. Mm. Thank you guys for sharing your story. What you said really inspired a lot of people. It inspired me just as the one doing the questions. Thank you all for checking out another episode of A Dollar in a Dream. Uh, tune in next time for more inspiring stories like this one that we just heard today. If you'd like to be a guest on A Dollar in a Dream, please hit us up in our social medias, either the official Instagram page at Still Dreaming Pod or my personal Instagram page at Irvin Six Waves. Uh, we love to share it here. Lastly, please follow our, our Instagram page if you haven't yet done so. It'll help us grow. Thank you all. Take care, and we'll see you all next time. I think I might be happy.